Hi, welcome to the Macabre Emporium. Let me get my emotional support cat. Okay. <laughs> to be quiet and keep the kids quiet, since he was getting anxiety and he didn't want to kill children. Gertrude's daughter even got to join in on what they considered fun. Tell us about the giant turtle. Alan never showed up, nor was he ever heard from again beyond that point. Welcome back to Macabre Emporium. This is not an episode number. This is Clearance Bin Volume 2. But for those that are worried about that kind of thing, this would technically be episode 35. And if you're some kind of wackadoodle from the future that likes to jump around in episodes, welcome. Welcome, there wackadoodle. We See, there we go. Now I got it back. Yep. You just have to not think about it, I guess, to yeah. be able to say it. Pretty much. <laughs> So, we went to the county fair this past weekend. Yes. So, didn't go look whole much because we plan on going again when your family comes down. Correct. So, what is your <laughs> favorite fair food? Now, I, uh, from my county fair when I first destroyed your perceptions <laughs> on county fairs before you came in here for this one. Yeah. So, probably corn dogs. Okay. Yeah. So, just corn dogs in general? Yeah. Okay. But then I came here and... Got the Nelson's chicken, mm -hmm. and that ruined chicken for me in a good way. And then had the corn dog with the pickle in it. And it's still the... The elevated. No. It just elevates the corn dog. You it's know, so I'm good. not a huge fan of pickles, but I'm not going to... But you love try. fried pickles. It's different because I can drown them fuckers in ranch. <laughs> but it's, it's different, yeah. but... What's your what's your favorite fair food? Is it, um, I guess it's not really a food. I guess it's more of a treat. It's the mini donut family. Uh, yep. Yeah, we came home with a bucket of those. And like a quarter of it was gone before we even hit the exit gate because I had kept yeah. shoving them into my mouth and she had to yell at me to stop eating them. <laughs> You're making Knowing... me hold the bucket. How do you expect me to stop? I don't know. Just don't put your hand in there. <laughs> sure, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Also, the county fair here is literally like the size of most people's state fairs. Yeah. It's massive. He told me it was massive, and the first time he took me, I was like, there ain't no way. And then she had to pick me up from work from her currently because my truck was currently in the shop, and she had flip-flops or sandals on, and I looked right under her feet and said, we well, need to go home, and you need to change those. And she's thankful that I told her that. It's a lot of walking. It is a big 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 place all right the midway there is probably covers most size of most fairgrounds probably if you're curious to see that if you look up trace atkins lit lyric video the opening shot of a looks like a carnival that is the fairgrounds that we are speaking of for elkhart county that where we reside at in, in the state of indiana but super secret town not really some people know where we're at mm. it might have to be revealed in an upcoming episode at some point why? Because it literally happened on the other side of the street. Oh, true. Fucking Bigfoot sightings. <laughs> and the Mothman. <laughs> but anyhow. Yep. So, being Clarence Ben, as she said, probably not going to be very long today. Nope. So how many stories do you have for us today, Sarah? I have two. Um, I mean, they're not super short, but they're definitely shorter than what I usually do. Right. So I will read one, and then David will read, though you have one, yes. correct? Right. So he'll read the one, and then I'll read my last one. 
before we get into it much farther, for those that don't remember, Clarence Ben is episodes of stuff that give us a break mentally to, from researching and some interesting stories we found, but there is not a whole lot of information on out yeah. there for them. But I was going to do two as well, but this one story, I couldn't find anything else, I guess you could say, to go along with it. Not trying to top it because I don't think I could have topped it anyway. The amount of giggling that I heard coming from you at your desk was like, and you know, I can tell when you're smiling from the side because your cheeks, you've got these little tiny apple cheeks and I could see them like your apples were very prominent because you were smiling and snickering to yourself the whole time. Oh, and you will too by the time I'm done with this story. Oh, I'm sure. I was the one that found you the story. Like I said, I read the title and that was enough for me. And I was like, here you go. Yeah. So we'll see. I I know kind of what it's about because of the title, but I don't know details. All I know is that he was laughing a lot. So I'm excited for that. All right. So are you ready to get started then? So are you ready to get started then? Yes. So the first little, little thing I'm going to read about is grave robbers. Okay. But kind of local-ish grave robbers. To us? To, kind of. Definitely huh. to my sister and her her boyfriend out in the Fort Wayne area. Okay. Um, Decatur is oh. where this takes place. I know that one of our favorite places to go is... Soul Pig Barbecue. Soul Pig Barbecue, and I know that we've talked about it on here before. Um, But another place that I thoroughly enjoyed the Even though we've gone one time the one time well that was enough i loved that place is famous monster pizza right where all of the inside of the the whole restaurant is themed in like universal monsters they have like a gift shop where you can buy books and pins all just all kinds of universal monster mm-hmm. and monster related stuff definitely worth the the trip if you're remotely in that area for soul pig and for famous monster right because they're both delicious and on their pizzas their specialty pizzas have horror themed names like the all meat one we got was the wolfman if i remember yep. correctly yeah not to be confused with the wolfman can't come from reverend Payton that we've talked about before on the show well he hates the way he howls <laughs> anyways speaking of universal monsters In December of 1931, Decatur was showing a new film in the downtown area. A little movie, may or may not have heard about it, um, called Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. starring the one and only Boris Karloff, and not Boris Karloff Jr. from Hocus Pocus. If you aren't familiar with Frankenstein, one, I'm utterly shocked because that's just ludicrous to me. Two, it's about a mad scientist that pieces together a monster by sewing together parts of bodies from dead humans. So you're saying somebody in the game trying to be Dr. Frankenstein? Huh? Are you trying to say someone in the game trying to be Dr. Frankenstein after seeing this movie? No. Okay. I'll stop making assumptions. Yeah. When the movie first begins, it shows two figures emerge from the shadows before they start digging up a newly inhabited gravesite so that they can steal the contents below. Little did Decatur movie fans know that at the same exact time that they were watching this movie, there was an eerily similar event happening just around the corner at one of their local cemeteries. Larry Furman was a caretaker at the Decatur Cemetery, and on the evening of December 4th, 1931, he took notice of the upturned earth where a casket had been interred nine months earlier. 
It was the grave of 38-year-old Milo Ward Black, who was a businessman from Evansville, Indiana, which is a little less than a five-hour drive south of Decatur. He had passed away following a surgery and was buried in the cemetery because that's where all of his relatives had lived. Okay. Not in the cemetery, but in Decatur. That would huh? be a little strange. All of his living relatives are just having a house propped up, well, not propped up, built in a cemetery. Truth. That's a big-ass mausoleum. <laughs> <laughs> Those that caught wind of Mr. Black's unearthing speculated that it was because of his status as a fairly wealthy businessman at the time. Talk circulated about how during his viewing, his lifeless body had been adorned with a fairly good amount of most definitely expensive jewelry. Right. Gold and diamonds in particular. His casket didn't help anything either, as anyone who saw it could tell you that it was definitely top of the line expensive. The grave robbers hadn't failed in their attempt to get to Milo's casket because they did hit the cement encasement and cracked it open to show the casket underneath. But they did fail after that, and no one is quite sure why that is. The seal on the casket hadn't been broken. The lid never lifted. Like, did they get scared and run off? Did somebody come into the cemetery and... Spook him, basically. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> so that's never been found out. However, if they were successful in completing this grave robbery, they would have been pretty pissed because Milo's family took off every piece of jewelry that he had on. Right, like they do most of the time. Not all the time. True. Um, yeah, so he had he had no jewelry on him. All that would have been for nothing, and it was uh, honestly it would have served him right. Like you spent all this time chopping and chopping your way and right. digging up all that dirt to get nothing. Because they weren't after body pieces. Everybody's pretty sure they were after that jewelry. Right. Been even more surprising if they would have found one of those coffin torpedoes I spoke of in a Victorian <laughs> episode. Yeah, because this was quite a long time ago. Sheriff Burl Johnson and another police officer had spent the next few nights inside the Decatur Cemetery to watch over the now open grave. They were hoping that the grave robbers would have returned, but they never did. Obviously, they would have seen a cop car. Somebody right. stationed inside. They wouldn't have come back. On the following Monday, somebody was called to come out and repair the... Uh, on, the <laughs> on the following Monday, someone was called to come out and repair the cement casing surrounding Milo's casket. Once that was fixed, they refilled the hole with dirt and made sure Mr. Black was nice and snug back in his final resting place. The reason as to why Milo was targeted for grave robbing is still unknown, and there have never been any arrests or charges made in this incident. Also, referring back to the beginning of this, if you haven't seen Frankenstein, go watch it. <laughs> Seriously, it's a great movie. Right. The original, not not the remakes. Not that weird 20, that Frankenstein 2000 that was playing the night we went there on Halloween. No. Not the cemetery, the pizza place we Monst had mentioned. Famous Monster Pizza. They do have a website if you, like, get on the internet and go look them up. You can see... You know, pictures of the inside. It's very, very cool. They do a lot of, um, like, celebrity signings there. Yeah, I noticed that a lot. And they're doing those <clears throat> Sunday matinees now, too. Yeah. Like, I think it's the time when recording this, it was Jaws, I think. Yep. It was the next coming one. Shark Week starts tomorrow, I believe. Oh, okay. That makes sense why they did. Yeah. And then, like, what did he play? Did he play Grandpa Munster in... The Rob Zombie version of the Munsters was there this past Halloween, just there because he had heard of the place and he was on his way through. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was. But yeah, 
very cool place. Check it out if you're in that area. Yep. Okay, we're done with that. Let's hear. Let's so, hear yours. <laughs> so we're gonna have me do mine in the middle then. Unless you want me to do mine and we can end it on a super funny note. I don't know if you're going to be able to carry on if I do mine now. So you want me to finish mine then? Yeah, it might be best. Or All right. So we lied in the beginning. We're not doing no. mine, his, mine. We're doing mine, mine, his. I don't think we even mentioned that this episode. We did. Yeah. So my next one is also short, just like the last one, but it is about corpse candles take any any guess that you that you have in your head of what that might be uh probably like the black flame candle from the hocus pocus made from the fat of a dead man no no the legend surrounding the corpse candles dates back to the 1800s in ireland and wales in most of the stories told people describe unexplainable light that flicker over the house of someone who is near death the person that is near death is expected to pass very quickly if they see the light themselves they also say that some lights will make a path, like, directly to where that person is supposed to be buried. And this would be, like, prior to that person even dying. Yeah. That people see these lights that make, like, beeline. In Wales, there are numerous legends and tales that involve strange lights. Anyone that saw them have described the lights as moving in a straight line, directly from the home of the deceased person, straight to where they're supposed to be buried, like I just said. It's been reported that the lights will travel, like, fairly long distances over, like, torrential terrain and otherwise unreachable places. Some witnesses have described these lights and have been able to predict the gender and age of the person that is soon to die. An adult male's light is a big red light. An adult female's light is white. A child's light is small and blue. An infant's light is a vibrant, like, super, super bright blue. And if there are two lights in differing sizes side by side, that was determined to be a pregnant woman and her unborn child. There is a well-known tale of corpse lights in Wales. It is that of three men that were tossed off of their boat when it hit storm conditions at sea. Due to the rough way of the water at the time, all three men had drowned. Someone passing by on a horse said they saw three strange lights hovering the river in the exact spot the three men died. But at this point, no one had known that three men had drowned there until days passed and this passerby mentioned the lights. And it was days later, it was days later after that when their bodies were found. Welsh writer Phil Caritas stated that historians from the 1800s were fine with just retelling the same folklore and legends without ever trying to find a source or reason behind the occurrences. Later on, though, the legend of the corpse candle stopped being told as much. Those that did talk about them were often the people that were isolated and, like, extremely superstitious. Logical explanations started to come out about the lights being seen. Scientists stated what was being seen was more than likely static electricity, ball lightning, or light reflect or light reflecting off of water or dew from the sun setting overhead. Owls were also thought to be possibility since they have uh, luminescence on their feathers due to uh, a fungal bioluminescence. Okay. Which they call foxfire. It's also possible that the corpse candles were actually methane gases catching fire that were produced by decomposing material that was in and around the bogs, marshlands, and swamps. But they need some kind of ignition source to catch fire, though. It could, well, yeah, true. 
But as of now, there's been no official, like, this is what it is. Right. The tale continues to be told. Now, when I first had heard corpse candles, I was thinking, like, you know, when a person passes Mm -hmm. and their skin feels, like, kind of damp and waxy. Right. Like, that was being, like, scraped off and formed into a candle. Isn't that stupid? That that was that's where my well, brain. By went. name alone, yeah, that would be your first assumption. Because I mean, like I literally said, like the yeah. candle, the black flame candle at the beginning from yeah. Hocus Pocus being made from the the fat of a dead man or an executioner or whatever it was yeah. they said in the movie. I'm sure. But the the few little pictures that I've seen, mostly drawings, because um, it was so long ago, it made me think of like the little red orby things that we have to pick up in Diablo Four. No, oh, okay. For the favor quests. But yeah, that's that's corpse candles. I told you they were very short. I know. But that, yeah, that's all. Your turn. So you're hurt, ready to hear about the world's first professional farter? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so before I get started here, I'm going to just tell you, tell you and everybody I was going to use correct medical terms. And then when I first started typing this first paragraph out... Um, the word turd cutter came flowing out on the end of my finger, so I decided that I'm not going to use correct terms and use different slang names instead. I'm sure you can figure out where what I'm trying to say at those times. I'm yeah. so ready for this. Oh, I'm sure. I've been so ready to fucking tell you about this one ever since you <laughs> sent it to me and I started researching it. Joseph Pujol was born in Marcel, France, which is located on the southern coastline of the country of the Balearic Sea. He was one of five children of a stonemason and sculptor by the name of Francois Pujol and his wife Rose. Joseph would end up leaving school at an unknown age, where he would learn he had a special talent while swimming in the sea on a family outing. As Joseph dove under the water, he would abruptly feel cold piercing into his stomach area, and in a panic, he would run, swim back and run on the shore. And in his panic from trying to figure out what was wrong with him from this sharp, cold piercing feeling that he got, he would be amazed... By the amount of water his turd cutter was holding. <laughs> yes. We're grown adults. Semi-professional podcasters, I swear. Even though we don't get paid, we do this just because we want to do it. But anyhow, <laughs> he would end up holding up to two liters of water inside of his body is what they estimated. Two liters? Mm-hmm. What is he doing? Swimming with a fucking speculum in his asshole? <laughs> I don't know. He would end up visiting a doctor about his ability to hold this much water, but the doctor just simply laughed him off and advised him just to stay out of the sea. While serving the army, he would tell his fellow soldiers about his special talent, and Joseph would suck up water into his butt bugle and project it several yards, applying 670 poison damage over six seconds. He would also discover he could do this with air as well. Fucking poison damage. <laughs> Okay, go. Joseph was not only a soldier, but he was a baker as well. He would occasionally entertain his customers by imitating musical instruments and claimed to be playing them behind the counter. Pujol decided to try his act on stage in 1887 in Marcellus, and with his act received so well by the locals, in his first few performances of his trouser tuba, he would earn the name Lepeto Mine, which translates into fartomaniac. Or professional farter, basically. Fartomaniac. Yeah. He would then go to Paris in 1892 and perform at the world-famous Moulin Rouge Cabaret. 
Right. This very prestigious cabaret known yeah. for all sorts of stuff. And like their main attraction is a guy that's a professional farter. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Right. <laughs> Here he would meet the theater's director, Charles Zedler, and assured him he would be the rage all over Paris. According to the archives of the Moulin Rouge, their conversation followed. Joseph, well, you see, monsieur, I have an anus like a suction device. In other words, my anus is so stretchy that I can open and close it at will. Zidler, so what? Joseph, it happens, monsieur, that through this fortunate opening I can take any quantity of liquid given to me. Skeptical of his talent, Zidler offered a basin of water to Lepet's wine, and he came prepared with a hole cut in his underwear and quickly sucked up water up his banana shooter and poured it back into the basin. I can't. <laughs> okay. Lepetamine, <clears throat> that's not all. After an enema like that, I can continuously expel odorless gas. The secret of my act lies in the different qualities of sounds that I can produce. Zizzler, then you, then you sing from your behind? Lepetamine, yes, monster. Tenor one, baritone two, bass three, contralto four, soprano five, now vocalist one half. Zidler. And my mother-in-law, can you do that too? Lepetto mine. Here goes. Next thing Zidler would hear is a deafening loud noise as the archives described it. And into the point of tears from laughing, Zidler would hire him and tell Lepetto mine he is starting that evening. Dressed in a red coat, black satin pants, and white gloves, Lepetto mine, he would address the crowd as such. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the honor to present you a session of Petto Main. The word Petto Main means someone who can break wind at will. But don't let your nose worry you. My parents ruined themselves sending my rectum. Making this joke, basically. This is some of the things he would do in his act. In his act, he would imitate the farts of a timid young girl, the, the hearty fart of the miller, which I'm going to guess is like, you know, the Jake Brake sounding farts uh -huh. that most people can have. The fart of the bride on her wedding night, which was almost inaudible, and then the fart of the bride a week later that was similar to when you give someone a raspberry. Jesus. To round out these fart imitations, he would let out a thunderous but majestic 10-second long fart. Wow. That's, that's a long fart. <laughs> right. He would also imitate sounds of cannon fire, thunder, and musical instruments. Besides these impressions, he would insert a rubber hose into his balloon knot and smoke a cigarette as well, contracting his muscles, basically. After he was finished with the cigarette, he would take the same rubber tube and attach it to an ocarina and perform the French National Anthem, the French National Anthem, the Roy Dagobert, which also translates into Good King Dagobert, which is a children's song, and Olse Moye, My Own Sunshine, and would invite the audience to sing along with him. Ish. <laughs> Ish, oh God. And for his grand finale, he would extinguish a candle about a foot away from his Hershey Highway and then the gas <laughs> stage lights one by one afterwards. <laughs> his Hershey Highway. Oh, no. Lepetomain would become so popular, he would earn 20,000 francs, a show which came out to be 38,000 in today's U.S. dollars. Not bad. Lepetomain would draw the attention of the Prince of Wales, Edward VII, King Leopold II from Belgium, which he had to sneak into Paris incognito to come see him and even Austrian neurologist Sigmund Freud. Wow. 
1894, he would end up being sued by the Moulin Rouge and fined 3,000 francs coming out to $17,000 for performing an impromptu exhibition in aid of a friend having financial problems. Due to the Moulin Rouge suing him, he would go on tour through North Africa and Europe performing his act with his own theater company after that. Wait, did you say Moulin Rouge sued him? Mm -hmm. For Probably what? because he was under contract with them and he performed oh. outside of it would be my guess as why. Probably. The Moulin Rouge would try and replace him with a female pet domain named Mademoiselle Thébault, but the people of Paris would find it completely absurd to try and replace Le Pet Domaine, and she was quickly exposed as a fraud when bells were found under her skirt. Okay. I've never heard a fart that sounded like a bell, so how she No, got... bellows, like oh, the big I got puffy yeah, thing yeah, yeah. for the fanning fires and campfires and such. Yeah. When World War I broke out, Le Pet Domaine would retire his act and return to Marcellus and take up baking again after two of his sons out of his ten children became disabled from fighting in the war. Later on, opening a biscuit factory in Toulon and died in 1945, surrounded by family and friends at the age of 88. Wow. Joseph Pujol, Le Pet Domaine, would inspire a number of artistic works, several being musicals based on his life, such as The Fartsy, that was awarded Best Musical at the 2006 New York International Fringe Festival. Another was named Passing Wind by Seth Rosen in 2011 at the Philadelphia International of the Arts. Le Pet Domaine would be added into a reworked version of 1953 Broadway King Can in 2007's revival by David Lee. While he was still alive, he actually did work with Thomas Edison on a film that was to be accompanied by the spell, but Lepetto Maine didn't want to be misrepresented because he would give himself enemas before his performances so his farts wouldn't smell. There is a 30-second clip on YouTube of Lepetto Maine performing, and unfortunately, it's only a silent film. I, when I found that out, I was hoping there was audio to it, and there's not. Oh, that so sucks. disappointed. But yeah, it looks like he's standing inside in front of a megaphone... In his performance talks, and he's just kind of moving his hands like he's conducting the music, and then he'd pause, and I'm assuming that's where... Oh my goodness. Probably. Where he'd, he'd uh... That's where he's farting up a musical note of some sort. <laughs> like... So that's the story of the Petomaine, the world's first professional farter. Has there been one since? There has two more. There's one that goes by the name of Mr. Methane in the United <laughs> Kingdom. That's, that's a very fitting name. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, he's actually released albums of some sort. I have not looked up any of them to see if uh, what there even is. But I remember seeing it one time as a, on Facebook and I thought it was just some kind of stupid um, like Photoshop thing somebody made. There's also another man by name that goes by the name of Roland the Farter. Which is also in the United Kingdom as well, too. So what's up with those English people and their buttholes, man? I don't know. That was very interesting. Oh, I'm sure it was. I knew that was a you, a you thing as soon right. as I saw the name of that. Like his children, one of his sons actually said he still even, even up to you know the time that's passing, he still kept his. You know, but very clean, I guess we're going to call it, you know, say now. I like guess still giving him his daily enemas every day, even though he was no longer performing with us. So I guess got so into a routine of it. He just kept on doing it. Like when he was doing his also original performances, they had nurses stationed there to carry out women fainting from all this. Women fainted? Mm -hmm. Was it 
just like a taboo thing you don't fart in public probably but also the late 1800s there's no air conditioning corsets heavy dresses uh, that's true could be why but who knows interesting <laughs> so even though we're super short to this week can i just say like out of all the the slang words that you used right. for the butt I do believe that balloon knot was my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that you were able to say all of them and keep a straight face, like, kudos to you, because I could not. Right, like, I knew I had to get to the end of my sentence and pause for you because you were going to lose your shit if it kept on going. Amazing. Words are amazing. <laughs> Farts are amazing. I think I they're hilarious. I always have. The only thing is, I should have worked in ketchup bottles somehow. I know that. Why? Because of ketchup bottles making fart sounds. Eh, they don't always, though. True. But anyhow, even though this episode this week's going to be pretty short, so I think yep. it's time to close the Emporium up for the day, sir. What do you think? I agree. So until next time, remember to creep it real. Okay, bye. Bye. Please check out our website at macabreemporiumpodcast.com. Join our Facebook group by searching Macabre Emporium. Like and subscribe on YouTube at Macabre Emporium Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Macabre Emporium. And if you have any stories of the paranormal, your local true crime, or weird history that you would want us to look into and possibly do an episode on, email us at macabreemporiumpod at gmail.com. Remember to follow, rate, like, review, and share whenever and wherever you can and help us grow our little baby podcast. been fucking holding it in this whole time i thought you were mocking me. no i've been holding it in this whole fucking time because we both wouldn't stop fucking talking <laughs>